Welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week we had the privilege of hosting Pastor Pat Sparrow, Senior Pastor of Equippers Central Coast. Pat shares a message of hope and encouragement for anyone who may feel lost in the shuffle. The universe is ever-expanding and possibly beyond our comprehension. Despite the expanse of God's creation, you are the focus of His love. God has a plan for your life and attends to every detail of your journey if you will simply respond to His voice. Are you willing to trust the Creator of heaven and earth with the most delicate issues of your heart? Well, thank you for the, uh, the warm welcome. Illustrious is a big exaggeration. <laughs> Reverend is also <laughs> an exaggeration. But matter of fact, that's, that's probably one of the reasons why I feel uh, such a connection to Andy is we've been in ministerial events together, Pastor retreats, conferences, and we share the same propensity to ruin holy moments. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do, I, I thoroughly enjoy him, and I, and I really consider it a privilege to be invited to be able to speak with you. I now understand why it was this Sunday, because he's coming back just one day later. So damage control is... <laughs> he's a wise pastor, besides being an amazing speaker. <laughs> And, and a good friend, but uh, no, I, it, it is really, really good to be with you this morning. Um, we can put up the next slide. It, I'm going to share with you this morning of securing your place in the universe. That's a joke. Uh, it's only because I was offered the option of speaking on Acts chapter 5, which is given totally to the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, and... When you break that story down in light of God's grace and goodness and Jesus of the New Testament, it's easier to talk about securing your place in the universe than to, to cover Acts chapter 5. But, but in fact, there are thoughts in this that are, because are, Paul said, this is what we're doing, this is your option. And there has been some meditations that I really want to share and convey in this message that I do think is really important uh, for the time in which we live, but because first time here, I might give just a little brief introduction to family, who we are, how I got eight grandkids. Uh, actually, the two, there's two more coming within a month, but oh the, so that would be eight. There's six, six alive, but in, in, in Korea, you're counted from the time you're conceived. So when you're born, you're actually one year old. So we're not Koreans, but we're, there, are, there are, I do have a good mix in my family, I do want to say. So this is my lovely wife who is serving this morning. It's hard for me to get her to come along traveling because she's so committed to local church. We're coming up on 44 years. And then to her, thank you, amen. And to her side, that's Katie, our oldest daughter, and her two daughters. Um, Justin is her husband in the background. He's the pastor of the Bridge Church in Orcutt. Uh, was in ministry with us for quite some time and then recently planted there. To my right, that's my son John and his wife Lene. Um, John is the lead pastor of Equippers. My official title is senior pastor just because I'm old. And <laughs> then um, those are his, his two kids. He's had a third since this photo and a fourth on the way. So he's part of the prolific protocol there. And then next to him is his sister, Brianna. She's uh, in the Bay Area as a nurse practitioner and her husband, Brian. 
So uh, since night, or 2009, my, my life has taken on much more of an international role. I was itinerant as well as pastoring. Um, we started Agape back in 1981. It's called Agape Faith Center. And uh, then it became Agape Church. No, sorry, there was an interim name, and then Agape Church. So it's been through the migration with my twin brother as the pastor. But so my, my life has been pastoral ministry. We're currently, since 2004, this is our third church plant. But much of the time, I've been an itinerant ministry. And as 2009, part of an international leadership team that travels. And so I'm super thankful that Justin is a Filipino, Lene is Mexican, and Brian's Chinese. That I have, I do have an international blend in my family, and brown grandkids are beautiful. Amen. <laughs> Except some of them have turned out blonde-haired, blue eyes, which I don't know. Those strong English genes. But uh, we we are blessed as a family, and uh, we told all of our kids, do not go into ministry <laughs> unless God calls you. Like, make sure it's a calling. So two out of three did. Our other daughter at nine years old saw literally a dream, it was a dream and then a vision when she was praying of herself being a nurse. So she never deviated and now she's worked a fellowship and she's a nurse practitioner in the lung transplant department up in uh, University of San Francisco. So she went hard after her vocational call just like the other two did and we're we're thankful for that, that God is good, Amen? amen? that he can put things upon your heart and through his grace you can follow through and stuff can happen. So, Well, we're going to shift back to uh, the message. This has been exciting. We'll go to the next view of the universe. Photos from the Webb Telescope. Um, you know, how many have heard of the Hubble Telescope? Hubble was an exciting invention, brought a lot of amazing things from space. But the Hubble Telescope was assigned different times to look at those dark places in the universe. So they, you know, they spend a lot of time positioning and lots of money goes out because somebody somewhere wants to hire the telescope for a series of shots. And one of them was, let's look into deep space. And so they shot into deep space and now the web comes up, the web telescope, and it shoots into deep space and it finds thousands of new galaxies, which is an amazing, fascinating, incredible thing. So what you see in this slide is actually our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, which is just one galaxy of, we'll we'll look at the next, but let's go to the next slide. In explanation, the Milky Way, our galaxy, there's estimated 200 billion stars, plus or minus a few hundred million. Uh, And it's a spiral galaxy, so when you flatten it out, it says the solar neighborhood, that's roughly our address within the Milky Way galaxy, where our particular solar system exists. So that, that's kind of fascinating, but let's go to the next slide. And you see back again in the universe, or Universe magazine, there, this estimate goes from 100 billion to 150 billion. The highest I saw was 200 billion, but they're all galaxies. So you think about the Milky Way galaxy, one little dot in the Milky Way galaxy is our solar system. And there's a rough estimate, who knows, there's a hundred billion galaxies in our universe. Does that ever do anything to anybody else's mind? <laughs> right? I mean, does that, you know, you think about our planet Earth, one dot in a galaxy with two billion stars. 
or 200 billion stars, and then multiply that times 100 billion, and you think about all of the places you could have had an address, right? And at least we got the Central Coast, right? But, <laughs> but, but here we are on planet Earth, and that's amazing. Like, you meditate, that just unfolds, and it brings all kinds of questions. And the whole UFO thing and other creations, all that stuff comes into our mind. And I think, you know, that's, why God? But then the bigger thing that enters into me, into my mind, it's like, so God decides this little blue planet and this particular address in this particular galaxy with all the other options, why did he put Satan on the same blue dot? <laughs> I mean, think about that. What is going on? Like, why? Well, there's so many options. All the other choices that he could have been scattered in any other place, in any other option. Why is he our roommate on this blue little planet to come to harass us? It's hard enough to settle things, right? To go and have dominion over the earth and the sea and the fish and, and all the created things. But then this snake in the garden that grows up alongside of us. The scripture said there's principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. He's got this strata structure around our little blue planet here for a purpose. Amen. Does that bother anybody? <laughs> Does it make you think like purpose stuff about your life and your existence? Because for me, I, and, and being involved in the things of God for 40 some years in conversations at multiple levels, literally around the world, the biggest stumbling block, and, I, and I've recently re, re, read the fifth book of a, a theologian guy that I really appreciated. He did a lot of stuff on Middle Eastern archaeological stuff and his early church history and all. And his last book was his own story of why he no longer considers himself a Christian and he's not following God. Talks about how he normally spends a Friday or a Sunday evening now is sipping scotch and drinking a cigar and just talking with his friends. Instead, at one time, he was traveling the road, preaching in churches. And his conclusion is, he said, I could not reconcile pain and suffering in the light of the goodness of God, the nature of God. And we'd probably all say in the room that our biggest questions have come when loved ones have died. Accidents have happened. Innocent people, stuff happens to. And you, you look at all of those things, and if you look at it just from our life, from our, our existence and our own relationships, that's a really difficult question. But I, one of the things I just want to propose this morning and project into, the only reason any of that makes sense is because of eternal perspective. It's because there's a God that's working a higher, bigger plan. That, that's connected to some really amazing things and some amazing promises. One of them, let, let, let's look at Psalm 148 first, and then we're going to jump back to that thought. That's pretty small for you guys, but it says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest stars and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree. Listen to this part. He issued a decree that will never pass away. I, I like that part because in the understanding that the universe, when you look at what God created, 
Part of us could just go to questions, but the other part of us could really just go to praise. It's amazing. The more you search out what God's done. A couple months ago, we went up to Alaska and went up to a high place and observed the northern lights. Uh, we got to see it, and it was absolutely phenomenal. It was a night of wonder. We stayed up all night. It was just incredible to, to see and observe that. Um, and so that idea that the, the beauty of God can invoke within us question, but it can also invoke in us praise. And in this place, the psalmist goes into praise. And oftentimes David, when he would get into that place, he'd, tr he'd transition over to things that are prophetic. And he brings in this, this, this thought and he established him forever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Well, Jeremiah picks up on that. Jeremiah 31, the pastor Paul was referring to earlier. By the way, you do a great job of hosting, Pastor Paul. You really do. Isn't he a great person to have? Like, I've literally been in hundreds of churches. And, you, and some, you know, never mind. But... Uh, <laughs> But to come in and there, there's just such a, a sense of community and, and direction and it was, it was awesome. It is awesome. Thank you for the role you play and for leading communion in a beautiful way this morning too. Uh, Jeremiah 31. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. So these prophesying about the covenant made through Jesus Christ declares the Lord. I'll put my laws in their minds. I'll write it in their hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. For I'll forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is what the Lord says. Only if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below be searched, searched out, will I reject all the descendants of Israel because of all they've done, declares the Lord. Let's read Jeremiah 31 and then visit this. This is what the Lord says. He appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease before me being a people. So he makes this covenant, this commitment to a nation, Israel, but also to people who enter into this new covenant. And he actually ties it to the fact that if the universe could ever be measured, then there's a possibility that I could break this everlasting covenant that I made. Think about what God has connected his promise to you through Christ to. He's connected it to a universe that's ever expanding. From the time what they're calling the big bang, the big sneeze, the big cough, whatever it was. <laughs> God, God set in motion the universe and it's ever expanding. And there was something in his mind that he inspired the prophet Jeremiah to say, this is how good my covenant's going to be made to a people through Jesus Christ. I'm going to honor his sacrifice. I'm going to honor his blood to this point. If the universe ever quits expanding, there's a chance I could pull back my covenant. If the universe ever quits expanding, I could pull back my covenantal promise to Israel as a nation. That's phenomenal. <laughs> That's big. That's like bringing the macro stuff in, right? It's different. It's like two people writing, carving their name on a tree, right? Or exchanging blood, crossing fingers. God did it. He connected it to the expanse of the universe, how he was going to honor Jesus' covenant to his people. That's mind-blowing. Amen. Psalm 8.3, shifting. 
When I considered your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, what you set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? That's the question that comes up when you see the macro gigantic scale of the universe. How important are you when there's 200 billion times 200 billion stars in the universe? Like, how do we register in God's heart? Do you ever think about that? Yeah. It's huge how we register. Psalms 8, 5 goes on. You've made him, us, man, a little lower than the angels. The literal Hebrew could be argued a little lower than God. And crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So the psalmist says, yet God, in the spans of your creation, what is man that you're mindful of him? And then he stirs up again the thought, that's right. When you were made in the image and likeness of God in the garden, you were formed to be rulers. You were formed to have dominion with Jesus Christ. And he, he brings those thoughts together. So in God's eternal plan, how the, the universe is going to work together over eternity Somehow, our oversight, our rulership gets involved. You're looking, uh-oh, he's going into Mormon theology. <laughs> I'm just challenging you based on the bigness of Scripture and the promises within the Scripture. There's plans ahead. Amen? And momentary light affliction works for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. We can get through this stuff. Amen. We can work through the things that we're dealing with, the pressure, the fears, social stuff gone crazy, theology, philosophy being injected, the thought we'd never have to deal with and try to reconcile with our kids and our grandkids. We could get through this stuff. Amen. Amen. There's a big picture. There's an eternal picture. God's tied his covenant to the expansion of the universe, made amazing promises, amazing decrees to the people of God. Amen. And in that, our, our eternal uh, identity is going to be revealed. Amen. So I like to just think about, in the big and the grandiose, the simpleness of that. Like, man, God, who is man that you're mindful of him? I like Micah chapter 6, 8. Do you ever like things, scriptures that are like, they're like summarizing scriptures? Like you, you go through and you read all of Deuteronomy and you set before you blessing and curse, you know, blessing and life and, and choose life and all of that. And then he lays them out and there's, there's all these curses for all of these violations. And, and then the, the Ten Commandments become 613 commandments. And you're trying to figure out how life might be lived if you were back in that day. And you go, you know, obedience is a big thing, but 613 commandments, I would choke. And, and, and so there's places that all of a sudden these th simple thoughts come together. This is one of them, Micah 6 eight. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Don't you love a verse like that? What's required of you? To, to walk humbly, to walk justly, to, to walk in love, and to walk in mercy. I love that. Another one in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, New Testament, Jesus says something similar. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law 
and the prophets. So it was, it was sort of humorous. It was, you know, the idea of finding your place in the universe, throwing that out. It was sort of intended to be kind of funny, but it isn't. <laughs> it's also to be challenging. Like, where, do, where does a human being find their place in the creation of God? Well, you find it first in the heart of God. And then you begin to understand in our, our quest for God, it's like, what is it that he requires of us? And he said in the Old Testament, he summarized the people could do the best that they could, not having a new spirit and a new heart and having the Holy Spirit living in them, which is what happened in the New Covenant. He told them to, to walk humbly, to walk in mercifully before God. And then the New Testament, Jesus said, here's how this works. He said, if you'll love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself, the two, these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything that God had intended that the Pharisees grabbed and expanded out to 613 commandments, this was God's original intention, that you'd love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your mind and your strength, and you'd love your neighbor as yourself. That's amazing. He said, in that, in that everything is fulfilled, in that you find your place in the heart of God. Consequently, whatever the eternal purpose is in the eternal covenant of God that's being, that's pledged by the expansion of the universe, somehow your identity gets rolled into that. Your future gets rolled into that. The promises of God for, for us becoming who we're supposed to be in him, it's all rolled into that. That Jesus says it hangs on this. Amen? Amen. Mark 4. Two scriptures left. You think about another one of those summary, simple passages. He told the disciples, if you don't understand this parable, then how will you understand all parables? So again, it's one of those questions. Hey, if you want to get it, make sure you get this. This is the building block for the rest of the parables. And then he shared about how the sower sows the word. That was, that was a lot in the parables, the whole thing about... This, the word being the seed and the sower sowing the word. Like that, that runs thematically through the four gospels and numerous places in Jesus' teaching. But without going through the whole parable, he basically said, this is how the whole parable works. The sower sows the word. Jesus was the sower. The, we, the word was the word of God or the seed was the word of God. And then he described the wayside where Satan steals the stony soil tribulation and persecution, thorns, cares, deceits, and desires. And then he said there could be good ground. So, so in this, these processes of God, in the simple things where we see the grandiose, that God's got something planned for us to fit into this amazing, magnificent, giant, eternal uh, narrative, this story that's being played out. And he said, this is, these are the things that you do. And this formation process to, to go on that journey to become what God has for us, that formation process, he said, this is how it works. The word of God is sown into your heart. The word of God is the Bible. The word of God is what proceeds from the mouth of God. The word of God is the things he communicates with us through prayer. So the formation comes because God's actively involved with us in that process of becoming all that he has for us to be. Amen. And so he said, here it is. The, so, the, the word is sown by God. The word of God comes into our heart. And this is the other thing he said. Beware because Satan comes to steal that. 
Beware, because tribulation and persecution comes to snuff that out before it can bring forth fruit. Beware, because cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things can attack that word and affect it, which ultimately affects your identity and your, and your, your place. And then the cares of deceit desires. But then he said, but there is good ground. Say good ground. Good ground. Amen. There's good ground. How do you have good ground? Keep your heart before the Lord. Receive communion often. <laughs> Go to prayer and worship nights. Yeah. Amen. You keep your heart good. Stay in forgiveness. Stay out of unforgiveness. Stay out of the, the things that really in the big picture don't mean much. We put way too much time, effort, and drama in things that really don't matter. Amen. Amen. Things that are passing away. I love that scripture that says, If any man or any woman be in Christ, they're new creations. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I can't tell me how many thousands of times as a husband, father, grandfather, or a pastor that I've spoken to the old things. I said, old things go away. Old things get old and disappear. New things come. Amen. New mindsets. New, new, new perspectives in relationships come. Uh, my, the reason people say how, you know, all the time I build this into the wedding ceremony that I... That, and I do when I marry people. They say, how do you stay married happily for 44 years? Well, Romans 5, 5 says, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. I've never depended on my love for my wife to keep me married. There's new love. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Pray, God, give us new love for each other. Let me see Terry through your eyes. Let me appreciate her through your eyes. Let me see people on my staff. Let me see my kids and grandkids. Let me see them through your eyes. Give me something new from you that revives. Amen. Well, those processes keep us current, keep us moving forward, keep us in that place where we can say we're going to ultimately wind up where it's got for us in eternity and in the universe. Last scripture, Revelations 14, 6. You know, being in ministry and going through all kinds of trainings and giving all kinds of trainings. And, you know, uh, part of our work is to be share the gospel, be evangelists, preach the gospel. And so that's always been complicated to me. Preach the gospel. And when Jesus told the disciples, you know, go door to door, heal the sick, raise the dead. How many have ever raised the dead? I've tried it a number of times. So far, I'm over like six or seven. It's very humiliating, praying for dead people and them not getting up. And I've done it mainly because I've been invited to go do it. I had one pastor that, was, that I worked with that was, he, he just believed that, that he was you know, destined to raise somebody from the dead. So after praying for five or so people with him, I said, I'm not coming anymore. <laughs> you stand a far better chance without me in the room. <laughs> Uh, the last time he got there and turned around, came back really quick, and I said, what happened? He said, they already been cremated. I, yeah, that's about, my, that's about my faith. That's about my faith level, too. I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't go with you. Um, true story. But, but preaching the gospel, healing the sick, right? Going house to house, like that, that challenge as a believer. We think about it. So he, here's one place where... It's called the eternal gospel, and I like this because it kind of seems like it fits into like this end of days scenario. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and look, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, 
to every nation, tribe, language, and people. And he said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Uh, that's just been kind of, it's been going off on me. So I feel like in counseling and situations, and you know, I was just on the phone with a guy going through something in Ghana a couple of night before last. And so you, you think about solutions, think about the preaching of the gospel, but this is like simplified. And, but it seems like super appropriate. It seems like for people, things have become so complex and the gospels just become another argument. It's another challenging philosophy that can be debated and taken into all kinds of places and defamed, everything that's going on. Just feel like our summary might wind up being, and I say this in light of the understanding of the wheat and the tares. You know when he separates the wheat from the tares? Have you ever seen the mystery, the difference between the wheat and the tares? That the wheat, they both look alike. They're almost identical. But they grow up, but the, the head of the wheat gets so ripe and so heavy that the wheat bows over, and the tares never do. They just stand straight up. And it's the idea of worshiping God versus remaining in a stance of pride and opposition. It's a, it's a picture of that. And I think in that this end time when everything's an argument and everything's a debate, that, that a great just summary thing is say, hey, hey here's the gospel. Worship God. Yeah. <laughs> Give reverence to God and fear him. Give him honor. Worship him. And, and that really, that's a solution. Like, no, worship God. Well, we, this, things are out of control. It's gotten so complicated. Just worship God. Amen. Begin to worship God. Magnify him and allow yourself to be seen small in his sight and in, more importantly in your own sight. Worship God. Magnify God. That's the message that this angel is going to declare in the second heaven to every tribe, nation, tongue before the final judgment of Jesus. It's called the eternal gospel, and it's going to work for eternity. It's a shortcut. It's a shortcut. It's a shortcut to share with your friends, with your family. Hey, worship God. You need to learn to worship God. There's not enough reverence for God left. Learn to reverence. Just to try reverencing God. Take, take the low road. Magnify him. Give him time of exaltation. Praise him and worship him. And see if something doesn't happen on the inside where, where it becomes in order. Amen? Amen. So it's, it's not just a scenario attached to the book of Revelations for a future time and date. It's the eternal gospel. And it works for us. It's a simplified version of a lot of things that can get very complicated. Amen? Worship team, you can come up. We're going to just close and, and pray into this for a moment. Don't you appreciate your worship team? Amen. Skillful people leading in an amazing way. Well, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the bigness of God. The bigness of your plan. Things that are uh, out there exceeding for our, uh, our even our imaginations but you put them in your word and you made them real and we thank you for in these days of discovery that we see the, the, the expanse of your creation and yet your promises are tied to that like you told Abraham come out look at the stars 
Number the stars, so shall your descendants be. God, you've got something big and huge and eternal that we're all connected to. So I pray that as uh, we as the church have come out of a, a season with the rest of society and the rest of the world, we've come out of a season where things have become isolated, things have become introspective. We've, we've looked in instead of now the opportunity to look out. I thank you for those shifts. I thank you that uh, reverence, God, for you would come back into our world. We pray that reverence for you would come into our schools, would come into our society, would come into the culture, that would come into the media, that there would be a mind of reverence for God. But thank you for your word to believers. Worship you. Reverence you. Magnify you. That that is the eternal gospel. For God to be worshipped, for God to be glorified, for God to be magnified through mankind. So the things that we have no way to control, we can't control our growing up. We can't control how we're to fit into all these things. We can't control our eternal purpose, our eternal destiny. But what we can do is stay close to you. We can worship you. And we get caught in your wake. We get caught in your draft as you pull us forward. And we just thank you for that, Father. Lord, I pray for any marriage in this room that's struggling. Any relationship between parents and children or with grandchildren. God, the emotion of that and the, the detail of that. It can be very overwhelming, it can be ominous, and it, it can be depressing. We just pray today that those things would be lifted in the name of Jesus. And we ask you to infuse hope, God. Infuse hope. Infuse your light. Put faith in the hearts of the people involved, God. And we just declare as we worship you and we magnify you, something about us making you bigger and getting ourselves out of the way gives you room to work and we thank you for that father as the people of god we thank you for miracles in this next season miracles at every level miracles of healing miracles in relationship miracles of expansion miracles of finance we ask you for the favor of god to be upon the church and upon the people of god i pray as pastor andy and and April re-enter, God, that this freshness will be upon them and upon this church. We thank you for the next season of things that would be on his heart, for messages, for leadership, for direction. We bless him in coming back, and we bless this church. We thank you for what a great example of community that it is. And Lord, I, I recognize the maturity in the room. I recognize the intelligence in the room. And I thank you for these kind of places that build a community, both church community, but also the Central Coast community. And I bless the men and women in this room for their influence in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, for their influence in business, community, culture, all the things they're involved with, God. Touch them, make them shining lights 
and ready to give an account for what they believe. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Pastor Pat Sparrow is the senior pastor at Equippers Central Coast in Arroyo Grande, California. It was our pleasure to host him this week as a special guest speaker. Join us online each week on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California, and we serve the Central Coast. Thank you.